First things first, this is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what No Mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> It's a whole bunch of stuff to celebrate in the world of sports. The Boston Celtics avoided a sweep. They're around. They're still alive. There's a big fight that we've all been waiting for for years that's going to take place in July. Errol Spence Jr. and, of course, Terrence Crawford. That we'll get into. But with all there is to celebrate, there is also something to be very, very concerned about, especially as it concerns John Moran. The Stephen A. Smith Show coming your way now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show coming at you at the very least every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Although I add special episodes like I did yesterday. Um, As I told you all before last week, I changed the name from No Mercy to the Stephen A. Smith show, because that is my name. When you Google me, you usually Google my name as opposed to something that I'm associated with, like No Mercy. But this is the Stephen A. Smith show. Uh, It is no longer called No Mercy, but it is my podcast owned and operated by me. Thank you all for your support. As usual, I'm here in the studio. Thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the Stephen A. Smith show. I was going to start out today Incredibly excited because I saw a game take place in Miami, Florida last night. Game four of the Eastern Conference uh, Finals between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. The Miami Heat were up 3-0. They were on the verge of sweeping the Boston Celtics. um, And the Boston Celtics rose up and showed you what they're made of and what they're all about. And I was excited because I wanted to say, I didn't want to sweep. I knew the Lakers were going to get sweeped by Denver. I thought the Celtics were going to get swept by the Miami Heat. And I was depressed at the notion, at the prospect of going nine full days during, in the midst of a playoffs, right before the NBA Finals began, without any basketball whatsoever. And then Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and the crew rose up and, sh- and showed you what the defending Eastern Conference champions are made of. That's where I was going to start the show. Because that's an exciting thing to do. And I definitely was going to get into the boxing. And I will in a second. Because I'm really, really excited about that as well. But it's appropriate to start off this show. By letting you know that I'm incredibly concerned. And I don't stand by myself in saying this. Sometime this morning. Somewhere late in the 9 o'clock a.m. hour, Eastern Standard Time. I got a message, and it came flooding in from former players, present players and coaches, people that I know throughout the NBA because I've been covering it for nearly 30 damn years. And all of them said, yo, what is this? What's up? Basically, paraphrasing, that's what they were saying. 
and it was an Instagram photo of John ja Morant surrounded by folks, family members, etc. And all it said was bye. That's it. That's all it said. So folks around a picture of him in an arena or whatever, it said bye. It was ultimately deleted. I, for one, can tell you that I called the NBA League office. They had no idea what was going on. They appeared and sounded a little fearful. It's a few players throughout the league that I contacted. They were uncomfortable. A couple of ex-teammates of his who used to be on the Memphis Grizzlies that know a thing or two about Ja Morant. His habits, the company he keeps, the pressures that lie on his shoulders, they were concerned. And evidently, so was the police. Because according to reports, and I'm trying to find it here, folks from the sheriff's department were sent to John Morant's home just to check on him because they were alarmed. by what they saw on social media, Instagram to be exact. And it gave me cause to pause because you know what? I sit up here as most of my contemporaries do in this business. And we got to talk about the stories that are percolating. We got to talk about the news. And this is from an article in the New York Post, just so you know how serious I am about this stuff. The headline reads, police conduct welfare check on Ja Morant after concerning Instagram post. That's what it says. The Shelby County Sheriff's Office sent police to Ja Morant's house on Wednesday for a welfare check following the Grizzlies superstars social media post, according to TMZ Sports. Citing a spokesperson for the Sheriff's Office, TMZ reported that Morant told the officers, quote, that he is taking a break from social media. He is fine, the spokesperson told TMZ. The sheriff's office could not confirm TMZ's reporting when reached by the post. Moran, who was caught on Instagram Live with a gun for the second time in three months, just 11 days ago, posted pictures of himself with his family on his Instagram story. He ended the slideshow with the caption saying bye. Now, for those of you who want to look at folks like myself and others and think that we're engaging in hyperbole or whatever, I'm quite sure that you respect somebody you're about to listen to. He's a champion. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the realest brothers I've ever known. And he's got his own podcast himself. His name is Kevin Garnett. He was on his podcast with a former teammate in Boston, Tony Allen, who also played years in Memphis. Tony was a rough rider, damn good basketball player, good dude as well. They were both talking about John ja Morant. Listen to this. 
a lot of people just ain't <clears throat> ain't giving them the right right uh, guidance to you know tell them about itself. That's all. This is when I think the league needs the big brother, big sister program right here. Mm. Feel me? This is when I think the NBA and the WNBA needs the big brother. And this is what I think the fraternity and the sororities are for. Real shit. Like, it's nothing like hearing it from the OG. Man, you ought to see when Jordan sit down. He got all us right here and we and Mike talking. Man, Mike be talking so much, man. You, you will forget your day or you will forget your schedule. And you'll be so locked into what, what bro's saying that you just, you know, you forget. I think when young people have more access around the big brother or the OG or whatever they consider to be their influence, someone that they can listen to, someone they can take a script from. Because a lot of these kids, I'm just going to be A1 and 100 about it. A lot of these kids don't have a script. And what I mean by that is that this is their first time being outside. This is their first time having something like this. I played that sound, a portion of that sound from you because Kevin, Kevin Garnett is one of the realest brothers I've ever known. I got a lot of love, a lot of respect for that brother. He's doing big things with his life post-NBA career, and I'm a fan. And I root for him all day, every day. And Tony Allen, the same goes to you, my brother. And I love the fact that those two dudes were talking about John Morant because they're qualified. They're brethren of the NBA. They're contemporaries. In Kevin Garnett's case, he's a Hall of Famer. The credentials are impeccable. They speak for itself. But more importantly than that, those are two of the realest brothers you'll ever find that genuinely care and don't want to see you fall. And I got news for John Morant, and I sincerely hope he's listening. Yes, I'm Stephen A., and yes, I'm going to call it like I see it. You play bad, I'm going to say so. You play great, I'm going to say so. You do something stupid like you did a few weeks ago, 11 days ago, or weeks before that, I'm going to call it stupid. Okay? You make amends for it, I'm going to applaud you for that. But that's calling it like I see it. That's entirely different from having a willingness to be there for you. Off camera, off the air, whatever you need, whatever you need. We all in this together. And I know that's not supposed to be the most popular thing somebody's supposed to say because, you know, I don't know John Moran. I just know that he's a great, great player in the NBA and I cover the NBA. I don't have a personal relationship with him. But whatever it takes. Anyway, that people like Kevin Garnett, Tony Allen, myself, or a plethora of other people associated with the NBA, my brother, anything that we can do to help you, we are more than willing to do so. Because we don't want to see you fall. We don't want to see you fail. We don't want to see you collapse. And we damn sure don't want to see something happen to you. That tweet scared the living hell out of a lot of people in the NBA today. That's why I'm leading the show with it. A whole bunch of people in the NBA community were scared for John Morant when they saw that tweet. The police ain't going to a house for a welfare check to check up on you for no reason. They're not doing that. They're doing that because they understood the concerns were real. That there were people that were highly concerned that John Morant, dare I say, was alluding to doing harm to himself. We don't know that. We have no clue whether that's the truth or not. I'm certainly not saying anything like that. I'm speculating, but I'm speculating for a reason. 
A, because the fears were real in a lot of people's eyes. B, because we're constantly told he does go through a lot because of his stardom, because of the obligations that come with that, because of the people that lean on him. Everybody doesn't handle things the same. Everybody doesn't know how to. I know people in their 40s and 50s that have a difficult time with it. I've been blessed myself to be in an affluent position compared to how I lived most of my life. And I'm here to tell you right now, at 55, it's difficult to handle. It's difficult to say no to people you love. It's difficult to push them away. It's difficult to tell them to handle their own business. It's not easy. It's hard. And I'm old enough and seasoned enough with a level of intestinal fortitude that I'm going to handle it. But would I have been that way at 23? 24, 25, I'd like to think so. I'm pretty sure because I had the greatest mother in the world to buffer me and insulate me and help me. But it ain't easy. It ain't easy. The other day, and I wasn't going to even share this, but then I remembered he said he didn't mind. Out of the blue, Allen Iverson called me and we talked like twice a month. But the other day he caught me out of the blue. He called me to ask me to help John ja Morant. I said, what, what are you talking to me for? Why not you? You've been through a lot. If anybody could give him advice on a minefields to avoid and everything else, it's you. He said, yeah, but I can't deliver the message the way you can. And I don't have the platform today that you have. And that's why I started off the show today after I saw that cryptic tweet, because it was cryptic. John Moran is going through a lot, and make no mistake about it, a suspension is imminent because the league has to look out for its best interests. And they have to look at the fact that he put himself in a position that he put himself in and send a message to the rest of the league that certain behavior won't be tolerated. No, he did not break any laws. No, he did not harm anybody. No, we do not need to see people in an uproar over him, but we letting politicians talk the trash that they talk. We got representatives in Tennessee sending out Christmas cards with, with, with their spouses and their children holding rifles. We had a governor in Texas imploring people to buy more guns. We're not getting into a gun rights issue. Because I actually believe in the Second Amendment. I mean, I believe people need to be walking around with AR-47, you know, you know, 47s or whatever the hell it is, and AR-15 rifles and all of this other stuff. But the right to bear arms, to own a handgun, to protect your house and your home, I don't have a problem with that. But there's something to be said about people being worried about John Morant. And yeah, might have been employed. Maybe he is getting off social media and taking a break from social media. Or maybe he was lying about that. We don't know. But what I do know is this. Kevin Love has taught me this. DeMar DeRozan has taught me this. Along with a plethora of Naomi Osaka taught me, taught me this. Along with a plethora of other people in the world of sports and beyond. 
Mental illness is a serious, serious thing. And it shows itself in a variety of ways. People lean on drugs to overcome maladies of the mental. They go to alcohol for the same reason. They find themselves engaging in other things that become proclivities and stuff that they like and enjoy and all of this other stuff that might be detrimental and harmful to their livelihood, if not their lives. Because they're really, really going through stuff and they feel like there's no help whatsoever. That's what Kevin Garnett was talking about. Big brother, big sister. I might be older than Kevin Garnett, but I got news for y'all. When I first started covering the NBA, he was a little big brother to me, giving me advice, talking to me, reminding me of the importance to be fair and decent while being real. Love Kevin Garnett. Got love for Tony Allen too. It was beautiful seeing them talking to each other. But they dropped some jewels for all of us to consider, especially Kevin, especially John Moran. And just like Kevin Garnett says, yo, you got to call it like you see it. We got to be real and we got to let cats know in the same breath, if in the process you can extend a helping hand, why not do so? Why not do so? Isn't that the decent, human, God-fearing thing to do? I just want John Moran to know that. I might call it what I see it, but off the record, just a conversation, anything I can do to help avoid those minefields, help you avoid those minefields. My brother, I am here. And I think I speak for a lot of people out there who would do the same for you. So just in case, just in case you feeling down and you feeling like this ain't worth it for any reason, because we never know what's going on in people's minds and heart and souls. You got a lot to live for, my brother. And it ain't just money. Remember that. A lot of people love you, bro. And your future is far brighter than anybody realizes. I just wanted to say that, y'all. I just wanted to get that off my chest before I get into a couple of sports items. I'm really not that interested, believe it or not, in getting into Boston. I got to give them credit where credit is due. The Boston Celtics handled their business last night, beating the Miami Heat. They were big time. I can't deny it. Uh, they spent the first three games of the series not hitting any threes. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what the hell happened to them last night, but it was wild watching them. I couldn't believe it personally. I was shocked. A 30-point edge for the Celtics on three-pointers. An 18-0 run in a th three-minute span in the third quarter. During that span, they hit six or seven shots, four or four from three-point range. We hadn't seen that before in this series. Had five different players making three or more. Threes in game four. They only shot 29% from three coming into the game last night. By the way, Boston improved to nine and three. This postseason when shooting better than 35% from three-point range. They're 0-5 this postseason when they shoot worse than 35%. Heat, lights out, struggling all season long. Least efficient offensive team in the NBA. Was blitzing everybody throughout these players. Shoot 48% from three for the first three games in this series. Came down to earth last night. Eight for 32. 25% from three-point range. That was the difference. My, Boston is clearly a better team because they got better talent. But the Heat ain't no joke. 
And now that they won this game, they got a chance. They win game five in Boston Thursday night. Miami, all the pressure shifts to them for game six because no team in NBA history in 150 tries have lost a 3-0 lead. If Boston comes back, if Boston wins game five, if you Miami and you don't win game six, you got to look forward to going back to Boston for a game seven. And if that happens, oh my Lord, you're the Miami Heat. You don't want to be in that position. You can go ahead and try to close it out in game five. And with Jimmy Butler there, of course, they're capable of pulling it off, get Bam out of bio more involved. But just in case that's not enough, whatever you do, don't lose game six. If you lose game five, don't lose game six. Don't come back to a game seven and put Jason Tatum in that kind of situation because in closeout games, this brother does his thing now. Last two games, over the last two games, he scored 84 points. He's averaging 42. Playoff Over the last two playoff elimination games, Jason Tatum is averaging 42 points on 62% shooting from the field and 52% shooting from three-point range. And Jalen Brown can't hit a three to save his life. Only went one for five yesterday, but he still dropped 17 points. He's tall. He's athletic. He plays defense. He's, at, he's incredibly athletic. He's aggressive. Smart. Al Horford, Derek White, Brogdon and these boys. I don't want to go back to Boston for a game seven. I don't want to be in a game six against Boston back in Miami. But if I have to, I could stomach that. But I should do everything I can to try to win game five. Before I get on out of here for this particular break, I got to say this. Switching to the sport of boxing, finally. The contract is expected to be signed in two, two days or so. It's already been verbally agreed according to numerous reports. I called somebody about two hours ago to make sure I had it confirmed. Finally, Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. are going to fight for the welterweight crown on July 29th. Necessary. See, boxers got to do better. And I'm not talking about just bogus scores from a judge that Teddy Atlas, the great boxing analyst Teddy Atlas brought up the other day with this judge that scored Lomachenko losing 116 to 110 uh, to Devin Haney, which was really ridiculous because the fight was significantly closer than that. I'm talking about giving us the fights that we want to see. We've been waiting for Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence Jr. for at least three years. At least three years. Now, it ain't totally... The fighter's fault. I'm talking, it's not totally Terrence Crawford's fault. Or his promoters, for that matter. I mean, Errol Spence almost killed himself by speeding down a street and a car flipping over numerous times. He should be dead. Thank God he's alive. Really nice guy, by the way. Terrence Crawford, Bud Crawford, he ain't nice at all in the ring. Outside of the ring, he's very nice. But that brother's menacing. And once upon a time, I would have looked at Errol Spence and I would have said, yo, he's just too big for Terrence Crawford. This ain't going to work. You know, Terrence Crawford, I think, is a slightly superior boxer. 
because he's got mad skills. He's special, and he can switch. He can go conventional or southpaw. Terrence Crawford is special. But once upon a time, I would have said, I think Errol Spence Jr. is just too big for him. I don't really feel that way now. He's had plenty of time to grow into being a 147-pound fighter. His boxing skills are sublime. Everybody he gets in the ring with, he takes out. Sean Porter is tough as hell. Took him out. Had his daddy step in the ring and stop the fight. And by the way, I respect the hell out of Sean Porter. I like him a lot. And I like his dad, too. I just didn't like how his dad called him out after he lost that fight, saying he didn't train hard enough. I didn't think that was right. But I got to tell you something right now. I, I reserve the right to change my mind. But I might have to pick Crawford to win this fight. I think Errol Spence Jr. has waited too long to get in the ring with Crawford. And that's not his fault because the promoters really controlling this stuff. They get on my damn nerves sometimes. I know Bob Arum and, and Al Heyman and all of these guys. Got a lot of respect and love for them. But my God, y'all take too damn long. As much as I love Floyd Money Mayweather and I saw him at the Lakers game the other night, he, he was pissing me off how long it took him to take the Pacquiao fight. Now get tired of the waiting. Apparently, we don't have to wait anymore. We going to get this fight. I don't know if Crawford, uh, listen, Crawford can knock somebody out now. We can't sleep on him. But Errol Spence Jr. can too. I look at him as a step slower. And he's like strong and methodically beats you down. As opposed to somebody like Crawford who sets you up to take you out. And the boxing skills are just there. Crawford is special. We've been waiting a long time for this. Too damn long. That's why the UFC is so successful with Dana White, because Dana White makes sure to give you the fight you want to see when you want to see it. You can get in an argument with the damn parking lot. Talking smack to one another. Dana will jump at you, run out the building, run into the parking lot, and say, hold on, hold on here. Why don't y'all sign here on this dotted line so y'all can fight one another for money? That's Dana White. We ain't got anybody like that in boxing. That's why we got to wait this damn long for these fights. But I'm here to tell you. Crawford right now gets the edge from me. I think Errol Spence waited a little too long in taking this fight. That's just how I feel about it right now. But I reserve the right to change my mind because I love Errol Spence Jr. too. Something else I love. I love. These previews, this trailer of the movie, The Machine. I can't wait to see this movie. I think it's going to be hilarious because the star of the movie is hilarious. Comedian extraordinaire. Funny man extraordinaire. He's a wild boy. His name is Bert Kreischer. Y'all know him. You've heard of him. He's up next. With your boy, Stephen A. Don't touch that dial. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh -huh. 
The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today has not only made a name for himself as an all-pro partier, but also as a damn good comedian and storyteller. He currently has out a Netflix special, Razzle Dazzles, and the story of how he got his famous nickname is being turned into a feature film. Please welcome the man, the myth, the machine, Bert Kreischer. What's going on, Bert? How are you, sir? How's everything? It is a yeah, everything's fantastic. It's a pleasure to meet you, man. I'm a huge fan. Man, man, please. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see this movie, The Machine, because I saw the trailer and I was cracking up laughing my ass off. I ain't going to lie to you. I can't wait to see this. How did you end up uh, uh, getting that name? Educate everybody because you're The Machine. Tell us all how you got that name. Yeah. So I, we went to we went to Russia when I was 22 years old and the and the mafia ran everything back then. When it, that was back in the 90s, 95. Okay. And so they they said we paid off the mafia to keep you safe. And they gave us two young gangsters that live next door to us. And they're going to walk you to class, walk you back from class. And so I'm like, I'm partying with them. I'm definitely partying with them. So I went, got a bottle of vodka, six pack of Baltica, which was their beer. And what I meant to say, I got panicked. They, they I see a gangster at the door and I just messed up and I just looked at him and, and in Russian I said, I'm the machine. And he started laughing hysterically. And then I drank shot for shot with him night, that night with like all these gangsters. And next thing you know, I'm the machine. I, I, what's funny is I was trying to say I'm the man, which is Yamashina, but I said Yamashinu, which means I'm a car. And so he just started <laughs> laughing. I got you. I got you. You know, you're doing, you know, you, 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 you're doing stand up and you're known for doing stand up. How did that become yeah. your calling? How did that become my calling? Yes. You know, I played sports growing up. Uh, baseball, and baseball? I played baseball with a guy named Brad Radke. He was a pitcher for the Twins. Okay, yes, I know. Uh, and I was his catcher. And I, mm. I, I remember just the way our parents talked about Brad was different than the way they talked about me. And I was a really good baseball player. And I said that to my dad. I was like, "What? Like, how come no one talks about me like the way they do Brad?" And he goes, "Buddy, with Brad, it's different. It's just special. You got to find that thing in life that is for Brad Radke is baseball. You got to find your thing, and you'll find it. And when you find it." Go after it. So I got written up in Rolling Stone magazine in 97 called the number one party animal in the country. Mm -hmm. It's like six and a half page article, big article. And this radio station gave me an opportunity to do stand up. So I'd said in the article, maybe I'll try stand up. And the second I got off stage, I got back to my apartment. I called my dad and I was like, yo, I, I found I found my thing. Brad's mm -hmm. baseball is my stand up. And, uh, and my dad was my real cool considering and being a dad now and knowing how hard it is to support your kids making bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> he supported me. I moved to New York and bam, I've got, I've been doing it now well, for wait 22, a minute now. 23 years. Wait a minute now, Bert. What do you mean? The number one party animal? How the hell would anyone know that, 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 that someone would classify as the number one party animal? What the hell were you doing? That had people saying, this is the number one party animal you can find in the world. How did that come about? Well, what was what happened is Rolling Stone had sent a journalist to Florida State to write an article about it being the number one party school. Yeah. And he needed a chaperone, like someone to take him around. And so he called five people at the school. They all said my name because I'd been there, you know, six and a half years. <laughs> and uh, so he called me up. And when he called me up, I was in the middle of a bong hit. And he was like, are you smoking weed? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I got the right guy. So he goes back to write the article, gives it to Jan Werner. And Jan goes, the story is too broad about the school. Let's just make it about this kid. And so then they just moved things around and just told a story about me being the number one party animal. Mm. And I've been there a long time. I do like partying. 
<laughs> I still like partying. Is, 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 is that why you were in Florida State for almost seven years, man? Because you were partying so damn much? Is that what the reason was? Well, first of all, this is like the 90s. So you got to remember, like, classes were like $50 an hour. So, like, it wasn't expensive to go to college. Right. And if you didn't know what you do, you're going to do, you just stayed there. I was watching my buddies uh, graduate and then sell carpet in East Georgia. And I was like, that's not me. Mm. I'll, I'll find it. I'll figure it out. Maybe I got to go to grad school. Who knows? Right. And so I just stayed there. And then all of a sudden, article came out. And I was like, I know what I want to do. Now, what is this about you doing when you're doing stand-up and you're, you're performing on the circuit or whatever? What is this about you doing your show shirtless? What is that about? Yeah. I mean, what, 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 why have your shirt off at all times? Clearly, you're in warm weather cities most of the time. I'm assuming, but I might be wrong. No, I, I've, I've done it shirtless outdoors in Chicago in the winter. Oh, my goodness. I had to have heaters on stage. With me. You know, you, you no, know that's, I, what I, I say is, this affectionately, you know that? that's a white thing, right? You know you ain't going to find any black dudes with their shirt off in the cold weather in Chicago. You know that, right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying, bro. You do know that, right? You'd be shocked how many brothers I've gotten shirtless. <laughs> Gabe Davis. I got Gabe Davis shirtless. <laughs> I got you. I got you. But go Orlando ahead. Orlando Brown. Shout out to Orlando Brown. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. But but why? why, why yeah, no, when did that start? I, uh, I started... I started taking my shirt off because, you know, I was a young comic and I was, I had two kids and you'd go to like Dayton, Ohio for five days, you know, do six shows. And that first Thursday you'd get there, there'd be no one in the audience. And it, I think it's why some comics get cynical and ha have angry personas mm -hmm. on stage mm -hmm. or they're mad or they're bitter. And I just was like, I shouldn't, I should remember this is fun that I'm privileged to do this. I, I got to remind myself, this is a good time. These people pay money to have a good time. So I'd rip my shirt off. Cause it would make me feel silly and I'd kill a beer. And then one day I forgot to put it back on. And as I'm like 20 minutes into the show and I go to put it back on and this woman in the back goes, keep it off. <laughs> and so I just, I kept it off thinking one day I'd do, a, I'd do an hour and put a shirt on and it would have been like, I, I was swimming in overalls, you know, <clears throat> like I'd be like, what's well, a shirt. If I can do a shirtless, with a shirt on, I'm going to be a monster. Right. Then I, I realized I, I'm uncomfortable in a shirt now. You know, I'm thinking about it because I got to tell you something right now. I was uh, doing my uh, my basketball show a few days ago, right? And uh, uh, T.I., the rap artist, T.I., that does some acting. Love T.I. Well, uh, who doesn't love T.I.? And he came on my show in studio. And now he's talking about how much acting is a big part of his life now and he wants to do more of it. Obviously, he's been in a few movies in American Gangsters with various other movies as well. And he's doing a lot of good things. He's always doing a lot of good things. But I think about you in this sense, the the craziness, the partying, what have you. He's doing, T.I. has decided he wants to do stand-up comedy. He's been on stage and been yeah. performing stand-up. You know, people tell me I'm funny, but I would never think in my wildest dreams I could do stand-up comedy. I would imagine no. you probably you thought could. you could do it, probably felt it was your calling because you're so used to partying and having a damn good time that the minute you went on stage, you just considered it an extension of a party. Am I right in saying that? Yeah. Yeah, I, th I feel like a lot of the best compliment people get is they feel like when they come to the show, they're at my house in my living room and I'm just telling stories. But so first of all, T.I., anything that comes out of that man's mouth are beautiful words, yeah. whether he's singing it, whether he's acting it. Yeah. And I'd, I'd love that he's doing stand up. And Stephen A. Smith. Yes, sir. If you don't think you could do stand up, I don't think you so. are out of your mind. You are what? out of your mind. I, where are you at? Where Are you in New York? I'm in L.A. I'm in L.A. right now. I'm in L.A. covering the NBA playoffs. Okay, that's done. That's done. What? Done what? I, you name the day. I'll take you to the store. I'll get you on stage. 
I'm all, not doing you, it, Bert. All, all anyone would have to do, if you did crowd work, if you did crowd work, and someone said, Allen Iverson, you could, you know you could tell jokes about Allen Iverson. I, I don't know, Maybe Bert. I mean, Bert let Iverson. me say this. Let me say this to you, Bert. I know, listen, do I make people laugh sometimes? Yes. yes. I don't think I can do it intentionally. I do it as by accident. The minute I intentionally try to make somebody laugh, I'll be as like, it's like at the Apollo. I'll get booed off the damn stage, Bert. I mean, are you trying to get me no. booed? Is that what this interview is about? You're trying to get me booed? Is that what's happening right now? I got his bottle for you in the store. Just try it. Just try it. Just try it. You oh, can take your shirt off. It'll make you more comfortable. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I ain't taking my shirt off either. Not yet anyway. Give me about a month. I've been working out a little bit more. I'm getting my stuff back after shoulder surgery. Give me about a month. I'm going to be scared to take my day, take my shirt off. There's two types of people that should take their shirt off. Those with physiques or those who are big and bulky and even fat, dare I say, and they're very, very comfortable with it. You can't be a tweeter. You can't be a tweet. I got both, Stephen A. Smith. You can, you can pull that off. You can, you can, you're a little chunky, right? But it looks good on you. You see what I'm saying? Now, if you lost weight, it, it would look well, bad. Yeah, I don't, I look, I, I, I'm, I'm a weird person in that I like what I look like. I, I think when I look in the mirror, I just see delts and traps and I'm like, you yeah, said man, you see delts it. and traps, not belly. flab, not flab or anything like that. I think it's all about the belly. I think uh, if you don't have a pot belly, you can get away with anything. That's just my personal opinion. Yeah, oh yeah, I think so. People said that to me if that if, if that if I lose weight that they go, I don't know if you could take your shirt off anymore. I let me tell you something. I I love I I, I think I think more people should take their shirt off. Why? Why are you doing that to America? Got- Certain people take their shirt off, Bert. That would be a grotesque situation to witness, man. Certain people. Certain people, Bert. We don't want to do that. I've seen so many shirtless men of different types, different nationalities, different body, ectomorphic, endomorphic. Oh my I've, t- I've taken pictures with shirtless men with skin <laughs> tags all over their arms. And then their wives pull me aside and go, you know, he loves you. He would never take his shirt off in front of anyone but you. You made him brave. You made him brave. Maybe they'll go home and, and, and show a little bit more bravery. Who knows what will happen? But let's let's get back to you for a second, because before I let you get on out of here, I want to get back to this movie, The Machine. And I want you to talk about what this movie is about and why you believe we're all going to love it so much. First of all, it's a it's a high end action comedy. They don't make those things. like an action comedy, like Romancing the Stone, like like fun. It's fun. And and. And, and, you know, they're not making comedies anymore. I think people need to get out of their house, go to the movie theater, Memorial Day weekend, and see this movie. They're, they're going to laugh. They're going to be pleasantly surprised at a com- at a comedy that literally takes off like a runaway train. It goes from the second we it's a reimagining of my story when I told the story about getting involved with the Russian mafia. There's action, there's thrills, there's blood, there's gore. Mark Hamill snorts coke. I mean, it's awesome. Wow. You know, I think about it and on a serious note, I think about comedy and I, I was telling T.I. this the other night as well. Comedy is so incredibly important in this day and age. There's so much stuff going on. There's so much divisiveness. There's so much vitriol. Everywhere you turn, people are against one another, whatever. I don't think there's, you know, music is one of those things, no question about it. But one of the great, uh, sports is another, but one of the great, great things that brings everybody together is laughter, comedy. Yet, 
lately we see people going off and you know they want to they, they, they want to retro everything and talk about what joke was made in 1995 and how it's inappropriate and looking for apologies from comedians that said something in 2000 or 2005 all of this ridiculous nonsense is driving me crazy when it's stuff like that as far as I'm concerned if we're in a society tell us what the ground rules are now moving forward let's move forward and let's live our best lives and I think the best thing that we can do with the world of comedy is just that what are your thoughts about what you've been seeing as it pertains to how the world of comedy has been attacked to some degree are you concerned at all it's i'm not concerned you know who attacks comedy people who don't get comedy people that don't like to laugh people that want to be miserable i live in a world i live in a community with people that love to laugh. I don't mess with the haters and the people that focus on the negative stuff. There's, you know, I got paid a compliment one time that is, was really poignant. My, our friend her had lost her father to cancer and she had been in a bad place for like a month about it. And she came out with a bunch of friends and my wife uh, to see me. I was out at uh, the comedy store and she came up to me after the show and she was crying and she said, um, I haven't been able to take a break from my depression mm. of missing my missing my father until right then. You for one hour got me to forget about any of that, and wow. I laughed. And I I was afraid I was never going to laugh again. Now here's what I'd say to any of those people trying to cancel comedy and go after comedians: Hey, it may not be your style, but don't take it away from the person going through something who needs it, that reprieve, that moment to take them out of their real life and let them forget about their problems and laugh. Don't take that away. That's selfish. I totally agree with you. Before I let you get on out of here, just a couple of quick questions I've got to ask you. Is it true you accidentally took a Russian class thinking you were taking Spanish? Yeah, yeah. It was How the hell did that happen, day? Bert? You didn't okay, know that, so Russian day, was Spanish, that Spanish was, was Russian and it's not Spanish? No, back in the day at Florida State, you'd get you get like a, a real paper, like a, a pamphlet that had all the classes and you had to call a number and you had to punch in your number to, to sign up for your classes. Well, Russia, I'm dyslexic. Russian and Spanish were right next to each other. I'm and dyslexic. I, I, I was dyslexic too. Noon. I never confused Russian with Spanish. <laughs> it was R-U-S it and S-P-A-N right next to each other. And I thought I was signing up for a noon Spanish class. So when it said, you've accepted, I never listened to the rest of it because I was like, I got a noon Spanish class. I lived in Florida. We all spoke Spanish. Wow. I can speak Spanish today. Claro. <laughs> but so I thought I got, I thought I was, I had a winning class. And then I went to the class and I was like, whoa, why are we learning the what, when did when did Spanish get a new alphabet? <laughs> and so, but the teacher told me, yo, I need class kids to make this class happen. If you stay, you don't have to do anything all semester. I'll just give you a C. And so I sat down. I was like, Strasbourg, baby, Lord. I'm back. Good Lord. Is it true that you actually had to do some skit or whatever where you were fighting a grizzly bear and the bear sat on your face? Dude, I fought two bears. Oh I fought Lord. one for the movie too, oh and they didn't use it. I fought a bear <laughs> in Hungary that and and they said they said I swear to God they go don't worry we've set up perimeter lines and I said well what are they are they like electric and they go no 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 they're not electric the bear thinks they're electric so he won't mess with them it's just it's just and, and it won't they won't show up on camera it's just dental floss oh so they goodness. put a dental floss like box around me thinking the bear wouldn't mess with it. Stephen A. Smith, he walked right through that dental oh floss, Lord. right through it. And I was like, looked at them and they're like, I guess it's not working, but he's <laughs> fine. He's fine. Dude, I fought two bears. And one sat on your face. Yeah, well, that was when I was a kid. I was doing a show called Herbert and there and uh, he grabbed me 
spin me doggy style, had spin me in a bear hug. I'm looking at the trainer. The trainer's like, go limp. I'm like, please be talking to me and not the bear. And so I, so I, I, I passed out, I fell down and then the bear just sat on my face um, and then did, they got him off my face. I, yeah. I got to ask you this question. Did, did, while he sat on your face, did he pass gas? Did he pass gas? <laughs> no, <laughs> just a polite teabag. I got you. I got you. Here's, here's another one. A polite, here's another one. They say you, you have a fear of flying and actually must perform a ritual before you fly of washing every part of your body. Is that true? Who is doing who is doing your research? Did my wife call in? I mean, she might have. She might have. <laughs> she might the wife might have called. Yeah, no. The wife might have called. She she uh I, I have a ritual. I have to wash every part of my body, top to bottom. Uh and then I and then I squat down and I say a prayer and I visualize a successful flight. I visualize the health and happiness of my entire family. And then I get up and I clean well, off. Well, I, have, well, so what, I have to soap every part of my body. What does the washing every part of your body have to do with alleviating a fear of flying? Is this some holistic measure where you got to cleanse yourself and then pray before you fly? I mean, what is, what is washing every part of your body going to do to help the flight be safer? It's a baptism. It's a baptism. It's a baptism. I'm getting rid of the negativity. Okay. I take it off. I scrub okay. it off. Anything from sense. yesterday is gone. We are clean. We are going to the plane. And then when we get to the plane, I take my finger and I, right before I get on, and I do a little cross on the plane before I walk on. Mm. Last question for you. The Machine, this yeah. movie coming out May 25th. What, what is it comparable to in your mind, if anything at all, in terms of comedy, action flicks or whatever that you've seen in the past? It's, you know, it's a throwback to those 80s action comedies like Tango and Cash. With okay. Like a lot of action, but it's hilarious. The Romancing the Stone. And Kurt, and, and where, where, the, where the comedy is there, but but you're there for the story. You're following the story, and it just happens to be funny as crap. That's okay. the whole thing about this movie. It really when we when we sold it, it was pitched as the God or the Godfather 2 meets the hangover. Mm, I like that. Very last question. A lot of the action parts, I'm assuming stunt folks were involved, but let's say, for example, in some cases they were not. Um, we're going to see some athleticism from you. We're going to see some action uh, thriller moments from you. Uh, Bird Crusher, I mean, is that what we're going to see, buddy? Is that what we're yeah. going to see? Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger, I worked out with him the other day, and he said, you are the next action star. You <laughs> did your own stunts, I heard. I had surgery on my elbow. Right. Because I was doing all my own stunts, I fall down a I fall down a mountain, oh and I blew out my elbow. And then in one of my fight scenes, I popped it, and all the tricep retracted in my arm. I do all my own stunts. I, some like there's a there's a portion where uh, one of the guys did it for me. And I sh I'll tell you this: next movie I do, I will not do any of my stunts. Wow. Why not? I mean, I mean, I'm saying I, that's smart, actually. Well, because why put yourself in harm's way? And by yeah. the way, it helps to have a lookalike. Burke Reicher can get a lookalike. Get a lookalike, man. That's that, yeah. that's gonna get. That's gonna be more work for you. They had to put a. They had to put a pregnancy belly on him. On my action, <laughs> on my on my stunt guy. <laughs> and he kept going. I sweat so much. I sweat so much, but I'm fat, Bert. Wow. Bert Kreischer, man, I really appreciate it. Enjoy talking to you, my man. I definitely will be watching this movie uh, when it comes out. Make no mistake about it. And thank you for coming on the show, buddy. I really appreciate it. Brothers, thank you so much. I am such a fan of yours. It is a pleasure to meet you. Man, listen, and we're going to get together. Listen, let me know when you're performing in L.A., and I'm going to come to your show.
Oh, and you but you're not getting me on stage to and try to do stand-up comedy, Bert. You're getting on stage. <laughs> <laughs> you're not doing that to me, Bert. Come on, man. Don't do that to me. Get me booed off the stage. I appreciate you, buddy, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right, man. Take care. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Thanks again to Bert Kreischer for coming on the show. Really, really enjoyed him. Before I uh, got on, get on out of here uh, for the day, um, I was not going to avoid talking about this next subject real quickly, just for a few minutes. Uh, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, is scheduled to announce uh, later this afternoon, a little more than an hour away, that he is running for president of the United States. He is scheduled to make this announcement of his presidential run on Twitter in a conversation with a man who purchased Twitter for $44 million, Mr. Elon Musk. Three sources familiar with the plans told NBC News. Got to give him credit. It'll be moderated by David Sachs, a tech entrepreneur who is a Musk confidant and DeSantis supporter. The relationship, according to reports, could be a big boost for, De- for DeSantis, giving him an introduction to Musk. Musk is a massive following, including his 140 million Twitter followers. A source within DeSantis' team say Musk participation is viewed as a clear sign for his support for the governor. Musk, if nothing else, is not unpredictable. On Friday, he tweeted praise for an ad by Senator Tim Scott, a Republican for South Carolina, one of DeSantis' rivals for the GOP nomination. Musk retweeted a post by Scott featuring a video of his announcement speech with the caption, Let's go. He praised the Scott campaign ad that features him denouncing victimhood and promoting individual responsibility as a great statement. Why am I bringing this up? I want y'all to forget Santis for a second. I want you to think about a more general picture that's transpiring. I'm reading a story here on Twitter where it's talking about the Daily Wire Plus to stream all shows on Twitter. Daily Wire. Talking to folks like Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens. Tucker Carlson recently announced after he departed from Fox News unceremoniously that he would be doing a show on the Twitter platform. Musk, obviously, as I read, is complimenting Republican Senator Tim Scott. They ain't playing. They ain't playing. I'm looking for the liberals who doing the show on Twitter. I don't see that. Might behoove you. Musk says it's a channel for free speech. Why not? Now, some would sit up there and say that he's embracing the far right. I ain't going to go on all of that. I'm liberal in my thinking on social issues, very conservative on fiscal issues. I don't like paying the taxes that I pay in New York and California. I ain't apologizing for that to a damn soul. It's too damn high. It's too high. Okay? Anybody wants to leave 
for the state of Florida, the state of Arizona, the state of Texas, Tennessee, well, Florida, for Arizona, you can probably pay some taxes, but not this high. But in terms of the tax-free states, that's Florida, that's Texas, Tennessee, Delaware, Nevada, I think Washington. It matters to people. You want money in your pocket. People don't like to hear that. Damn all that. People like to keep their money. I am a believer that no American citizen should ever walk home with less than 50% of their money. Whatever taxes you're going to take, federal, state, FICA, whatever it is, you should walk home with 50% of your money. With all of those taxes, FDIC, let me forget that either. All of those taxes taken out of your check, you should walk home with 50% of your money. That is a firm belief that I have. Having said that, I don't like some of these positions I see. I don't like the issues on, the, on, on abortion rights. I don't think that men should be telling a woman what to do with their body, although I'm against abortion. I think we do have an immigration problem in this, in this nation. I don't think that people should be walking across the border illegally. And there's no impediment to that whatsoever. I don't believe that. I believe folks should stand in line. But in the same breath, I don't believe children should be separated from their parents and all that. So I'm not getting all of that. I'm just giving you generic feelings. I definitely believe in lower taxes. I definitely believe in order. I don't want to mimic law and order because I don't want to sound like Trump or DeSantis or somebody. But damn it, we can't have a lawless society. I told y'all months ago I was out here in, 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 on Rodeo and they were letting two people, three people in the store at a time because they were scared to let more than that in because robberies were so prevalent. You can't have that. That kind of mayhem will destroy businesses. And once you destroy businesses, you severely compromise, if not destroy the economy. And a capitalistic society that we're living in no longer exists. I ain't down with that. I ain't down with that. Now, I don't want to sit up here and talk about, I, I know I've said before, I'm a proud capitalist, but the way some folks lean on the word and the definition of capitalism these days, I'm not sure I want to say proud that more, but I damn sure ain't down with socialism. I think everybody deserves a fair and equal opportunity. But if what I do with it is better than what you do with it, I deserve more. I ain't apologizing for that. I'm not. I'm not trying to side with Musk. Lord knows I ain't trying to side with, side with DeSantis these days and don't get me started with Trump. But when you hear the kind of words that they use to describe themselves, it does hit you. When you think about Musk and he's talking about Scott, he praised the Scott ad campaign that features him denouncing victimhood and promoting individual responsibility. But that's vague. Now, I don't like that. And I do think that there are some people who are quick to paint themselves as victims. I do think that in this woke culture that we're living in, I think it's utterly ridiculous. I do agree with comedian Chris Rock when he said before, you just used to try to bust your ass, work as hard as you could. And propel yourself to new heights. That's how you look forward to future opportunities. Now you lie in wait 
or you look to provoke the demise of somebody else over the littlest thing imaginable just so you can get their job. Or worse, put them on an equal playing field because you you don't have shit going on. So you want to make sure they don't have shit going on either. And that's a problem. So again, I'm not adopting and embracing what they're saying blanketly in terms of words like victimhood and promoting individual responsibility. But it does play a role. You're going to always encounter situations where people try to victimize you. And there is something called intestinal fortitude that you do need to exercise from time to time to overcome adverse circumstances because none of us escape adverse circumstances our entire life. We got to deal with it. And then when you get to the issue of personal responsibility, yeah, I believe in that. You're a grown-ass man or a grown woman. To some degree, you harbor a level of responsibility for your actions and how do you behave. There's reasons for everything. And we understand that. And they need to be taken into consideration, but not to completely absolve you from your transgressions. If that's the case, nobody belongs in jail. Nobody belongs in prison. Nobody should have debt. Everybody should have an equal paying job or whatever the case may be. Well, if I'm better than you, no, I don't believe in that. Now, I don't believe you forget the poor and the desolate amongst us. And I don't believe you forget the elderly. Children, elderly, hands off. Those that are desolate and disenfranchised that need a helping hand, damn right. But you got to go for yours. To be all you can be. And if that is not something you're motivated to do, then you don't deserve what those who are motivated end up getting. So I say all of that to say this is interesting. Because when stuff goes down and stuff happens, that's just the way it goes. And we got to be real with that. DeSantis, I can't imagine a whole bunch of black folks and women who are pro-choice or anybody that adopts anything about a woke culture being inclined to vote for him. But when you take into account the conservative voters out there, I will remind you that over 70 plus million people voted for Donald Trump. And the 80 plus million people that voted for Joe Biden were doing it to vote against Trump. Those same people could have voted for Bernie Sanders. They didn't think about it because they said, you know what? We're not a socialist society. We ain't trying to hear that. And people believe there's no way in hell he would have won. That's how Biden don't get him started with what happened in South Carolina and how that helped propel him to the presidency. But this go round with the way the streets of America are looking and what we see 
and so pervasive over the news wires every day? Yo, y'all. Once Musk and Twitter comes into the equation and they truly embrace that right in a way they deem no other social media outlet has done, Musk might be on to something. It might help DeSantis. Only people it may hurt is Fox News. Because if Twitter establishes itself as that kind of outlet for the far right or anybody leaning right, they might not watch Fox News with the regularity it once did. Especially since Tucker Carlson is coming in. Interesting times. I'm intrigued. I'll say that much. By the way, before I get on out of here, the great Tina Turner, queen of rock, passes away at age 83. What's love got to do, got to do with it? I ain't going to sing. I ain't going to do that to that wonderful woman. You know, I'm just saying to you, I loved her song. I loved her spirit. And obviously, we all saw the movie with Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne about Tina Turner. What's love got to do with it? That was the title of it. Phenomenal, phenomenal artist. Seemed to be a wonderful, wonderful person. I never had the pleasure of meeting her or encountering her. Um, but her music will live on forever. Um, her spirit will live on forever. And she's she garnered the sympathy of the world. Once her story was portrayed by the wonderful, sensational actress that is Angela Bassett, who should have won an Oscar, by the way. Just this couple of months ago, Angela Bassett, Black, Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Yes, she should have won an Oscar. And we know what she should have done portraying Tina Turner. Tina Turner, one of a kind. We love you. We'll miss you. But you'll always be with us. Dead at the age of 83. Till next time, y'all. Take care. Peace and love. Stephen A. Smith Show. Signing off. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.